Welcome to God's Eternal Purpose Radio Broadcast, brought to you by the Church in Accra as one of the local churches in Ghana. We bring you a life-changing fellowship every Saturday at 8 o'clock to 8.30 a.m. on Sweet Melodies 94.3 FM. And now, today's message. Over the past few weeks, we have covered a few important topics such as man's goal, the glory of God, man, a vessel of God's glory, how to be filled as a vessel of glory with the life of God. And today, we are here to consider the overall matter of God's eternal purpose. Does God have a goal in this universe? Yes. God has an eternal goal called the eternal purpose. What is God's eternal purpose? Today's topic is just that. What is God's eternal purpose? The greatest help in the knowledge and interpretation of the scriptures contained in the Bible is given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is just that we must look for and find Christ and know Christ and enjoy Christ through the scriptures. He opened up the scriptures to the disciples as we read in Luke chapter 24 and verse 32. He said, and they said to one another, was not our heart burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was opening to us the scriptures? Such an opening and explaining today of scriptures is needed if we are to proceed on our Christian life in a joyful and meaningful way. It will cause our hearts to burn within us our hearts to move within us for God and to love the Lord Jesus right to the end. In John chapter 5 and verse 39, the Lord says, You said the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is these that testify concerning me. You see, he's telling them, the scriptures testify concerning me. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, he says, and beginning from Moses and from all the prophets, he explained to them clearly in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Scriptural explanation and scriptural interpretation is altogether related to the person of Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 44, and he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things written in the law of Moses and the prophets and psalms concerning me must be fulfilled. All things in the scriptures concern me. The scriptures testify concerning me. When we read Matthew chapter 22, verse 42a, the Lord throws a question when he was surrounded by elders, Pharisees, scribes, and a lawyer. His question to them was, The Son of Man, what do you think of him? He was pointing them to himself. So also in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and 15, he asked them, Who do men say that I am? And again, and who do you say that I am? He was asking the disciples about himself. Dear friends, this is the greatest question to ask on this earth. Many are asking many questions, diverse questions. 
the highest and the best question to ask is, who is the Christ? Whose son is he? Who is Jesus? This question is key to all spiritual truths and reality. We need to know him in his presence first and foremost. It's not about doctrines or religion and teachings. No, the real issue is who is Jesus? The real issue is to know the person of Jesus. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And he is the Christ. This is what we are going to talk about today. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, open our eyes like you did to Peter. Open the eyes of our heart to see your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us read Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and 15. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and 15, it reads this. 13 said, Who do men say that the Son of Man is? And 15 says, But who do you say that I am? 16 says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The person of the Lord Jesus is the very foundation of the whole of Christianity. His person is that he is the Son of God, the Son of the living God, and that he is the Christ, the anointed and appointed one of God, also called the Messiah. As the Son of God, if we receive him, we have eternal life. But what about his person as the Christ? If he is the anointed, the chosen servant, the appointed one of God's delight, as Isaiah chapter 42 Verse 1 says, Then there must be a task, a purpose, a work for him to accomplish. And this is what brings us to search to find out what God's work is. And so we have the person and the work of Christ as the foundation of true Christianity. This is a heavenly revelation, and it must come from the Father himself to us. It is a revelation, and the Lord told Peter, My Father has revealed it to you. It is also an inward revelation. It must be to our heart. Galatians 1, 15-16. Paul says, It pleased God to reveal his Son to me. Peter saw a heavenly revelation. Paul saw a heavenly inward revelation. You must also see it. In Matthew 16, as soon as Peter received this first revelation, the Lord proceeded to tell him about God's purpose, why he was the Christ. The commission God had given him, it was to build the church and to raise up his kingdom for his glory. The church is built upon the rock of the revelation of the person and work of Christ. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. What is this commission? The Lord Jesus had pointed to his work in many instances. For example, in Luke 2, 49, he called it my father's business. Don't you know I must be about my father's business? In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7 and 9, he calls it the father's will. Lo, I come to do thy will, O Lord. It is written in the books concerning me, and I come to do thy will. A body thou hast prepared for me. His coming on earth, he realized, was according to an agenda to do God's will. The Father describes him as the Son, his beloved, in whom is all his delight. The one who has a heart after him, 
the real and greater David, in whom he is so delighted, he's well pleased. Matthew 3.17, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew 17.5, this is my beloved son, in whom I have all delight. The Lord was pointing to himself and pointing to himself as carrying, coming out to carry out God's will. In Matthew 6, 9, the Lord taught us to pray, Thy will be done. And he himself paid the price on the cross himself to take the stand with God to do the Father's will. In Matthew 26, he says, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Paul calls this the purpose. In Romans 8, 28 to 30, he describes it that all things work together according to their purpose. There is a purpose running this universe. And in Ephesians 3 verse 11, he says, everything is according to the eternal purpose. Brothers and sisters, there is an eternal purpose. Paul calls it God's will in Ephesians 1.9, which he purposed in himself. Paul prayed for all believers to have a revelation and a spirit of understanding at the start of their Christian life in Colossians 1.9. In Ephesians 1.9, he says, Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. In Colossians 1.9, he prayed that we may have, may be filled with the full knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Many verses of scripture tell us about the counsel of his will, God's predetermined counsel and will. 2 Timothy 1.10 tells us that God's grace goes along with his purpose. What then is God's eternal purpose? God's eternal purpose is God's will and plan, which he made in eternity past and will carry it out in time. It concerns his son the only begotten son. It is that he will have many sons like him. These sons will be conformed to the same image as him so that his son will be glorified. His son will move on from being an only begotten son to become the firstborn son among many sons of God, his brethren, so that the father's glory through him will have a full expression. There will be God's many sons of God's family and household as his kingdom. There will also be the many members of Christ's corporate body, the church. And there will be his bride for him as the coming bridegroom. Together there will be the house and dwelling place of God, his tabernacle, where he will dwell with his glorified sons and they with him. This is a glorious plan and goal. It is a masterpiece, a great workmanship of God. This matter is clearly and fully revealed and fulfilled at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21. It is in the picture of the new Jerusalem, which is a holy city with a throne standing for the Father's kingdom, a bride standing for Christ's counterpart wife, and a tabernacle standing for God's dwelling place through the Holy Spirit. This is the manifold wisdom of God, his masterpiece in the universe. And dear friend, you are destined to participate in this. Are you willing? Yes, I want to be part of this. You are invited. God says, whosoever will may come. This Christ, the anointed one, the appointed one, 
to carry out this commission will reach this goal by at least three great works. These are the works of God's creation, God's redemption, and the work of sonship, producing many sons for God in a new creation. God's purpose, as we have said, it is His will. And I repeat, it's altogether centered about and revolves about His Son. But do you know, this Son is in you. It's all happening within you and within many of His believers. It is an eternal plan. Not about temporary or even permanent things or things on earth. It is about His Son in you. He wants to fill you with the life of His Son until He overflows in you with the glory of God in your daily living. God's will is that you will be saved eternally, that Christ will live in you, that Christ will grow in you, that Christ will work in you, that Christ's personality will be formed in you, that Christ will be uh, enlarged, magnified, and exalted in you. It is altogether Christ, Christ, Christ. When God looks at you, all he looks for is his Christ in you. God wants many people like his beloved son. Secondly, God never gives up on his purpose. It is unchanging. It is an eternal matter. It is settled. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, we see God's eternal purpose with man, to have his image, to express him, and dominion to rule for him. But man fell in Genesis 3, but God did not give up. And we see this in Psalm 8. God's eternal purpose is the same. Oh Lord, what is man that you think of daily? God's mind is on you. You have not given him up. You have not moved on to angels. You have not changed your mind. God is still after man. His thoughts are still on man. Even when man is falling, God is still after man. And in Hebrews 2, in redemption, we see God's eternal purpose is still carried out through Jesus Christ's salvation work. God's will, his counsel, his predetermined counsel remains the same. Dear friend, God's thoughts about you have never changed. And he has never given up on you. He has never given up on man. God has never changed his mind about you and about man. And God's mind is still set on you, my friend. God seeks you. And that's why God loves you so much. He loves you so much because he has a purpose for you. God so loved the world because he has this wonderful purpose for man. John 3.16 tells us that God loves the world. We must go on to Romans 8.28. God loves the world because he has a purpose for you. John 3.16 is because of Romans 8.28. Let me read it for you. And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to the purpose. The purpose comes before the calling. Did you know that? Before God came to call you, he had a purpose for you. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestinated, these he also called. And those whom he called, these he also justified. And those whom he justified, these he also glorified. What a plan. What a glorious agenda. And it's about you with Christ. God created you because of his eternal purpose concerning you with Christ. Christ died to redeem you because of God's eternal purpose for you. God's Holy Spirit is working in you to sanctify and transform you because of God's eternal purpose. The purpose determines everything. Everything is according to the purpose. Everything is altogether moving towards the goal 
of conforming you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. You must look like your elder brother. Jesus Christ is the firstborn now. He's the elder brother. And you must look like him. Life is not about what you get or the treasures you heap up or accumulate to yourself. It's altogether about what you become. To become like his beloved son, Jesus Christ, God's delight. The standard of this universe in everything is Christ, 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 Christ. Dear friend, I wish many people would start mistaking you for Christ. Are you Jesus' brother? Surely, I want them to say like they said to Peter, surely you are one of them. As we said, eternal purpose is about his will and his eternal. It was purpose before all times, before all things were created, and before all matters, places, and events, or even before the world came into being, and it is going to be fulfilled. It takes, therefore, the eternal life of God to carry it out. God's will is altogether purpose in himself. It is not an afterthought. It depended on nothing and no one, but altogether on himself. Our destiny is eternal glory. And the only thing that can carry it out is eternal life. That is why God calls you to his eternal life and salvation. We must be clear about the eternal nature of God's will. That it is different from the temporary and the active leading of God. God's will is different from God's leading. God's leading is altogether about us, about our personal matters, about issues of our times and circumstances. It differs from one person to another. For example, God told Abraham to go to Egypt in a time of famine, but he stopped Isaac from doing the same during another time of famine. He asked him to stay in the land, and he prospered Isaac in the land beyond measure. Our family matters, our marriage, our travel, our career, our jobs, are all matters under God's leading, and they require that we... First, listen to the Lord's constant and instant word to determine what to do. But God's will is permanent and eternal and unchanging. The Bible says it is immutable. It is the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Do all things to the glory of God. This is his goal for you today, tomorrow, and eternity. As soon as we learn our John 3, 16, and have received salvation, we must be introduced to learn about Romans 8, 28 to see the goal of our salvation. You must have the goal in view immediately you are saved or else you will run wild and deviate in your Christian life. Yes, it is true. Without a vision, a goal, a people run wild. Proverbs 29, 18. The gift of salvation is eternal life. Yes, an eternal life has a goal. The goal of salvation is eternal glory. This is the eternal purpose of God, the glory of God, and the glory of the children of God. Yes, the gift of salvation. And yes, the goal of salvation. The gift of salvation is eternal life. The goal of salvation is eternal glory. Brothers and sisters, dear friends, listeners, you will be changed to become like God's firstborn son, Jesus Christ. You will look like one of his many brothers. You will be a family face to express God. 
God wants you to be part of his divine family along with many others to express him in full. God's works are all together because of his eternal purpose, his great creation, his wonderful works of redemption and salvation, and his work of his sonship. They are all to carry out and fulfill his eternal purpose. This is what the Christ came to do. The eternal purpose is glory. This is the goal of the universe. There's a goal, there's a purpose for everything, every matter, every person, every season. It is a great eternal purpose of God, which is the glory of God and the glory of the children of God. You need to be saved, it is to the glory of God. You need to be filled with the life of God, it is to the glory of God. Please hear this trumpet sound today. God has an eternal purpose. His purpose is his will. All things are for this great matter. And it is because of this, God prepared a body for his son and sent his son to be the Christ. He is the Christ for a work, a commission, an assignment. This is the will that we've been asked to pray for. We have to live now by the sovereign and ultimate will of God. We must see John's Gospel, John 3.16. We must see Romans' epistle, Romans 8.28-30. And we must see Hebrews' epistle, Hebrews chapter 2, that God is bringing many sons to glory. We must move on all the way to his will, to completion, to perfection, and to maturity. Our salvation is a great salvation. If in John 3, 16, you read, God so loved the world, Hebrews 2 and verse 3 says, we have so great a salvation. We have a present experience of our salvation. We are saved by the grace of God. We are being saved in his life. And we shall be saved if we endure to the end. This is very precious. There's also a very glorious part of our salvation too. It is the inheritance of Christ's kingdom with glory when he comes again back to the earth to usher in the coming age. Dear friends, these are weighty matters, aren't they? God's provision to us today includes himself, God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the eternal life. And God is making us his people First, believers. Two, his body, the church. Three, his kingdom. And fourth, his new Jerusalem. What a goal. Let us rise up, dear Christian. Let us rise up, dear friend. Time is fast spent. The day is almost here of his coming. If you have started this journey, you must run to finish your course. Paul started. He pressed on. He finished. He got a crown. You can too. You must, and I trust God, you will. God is already at work, both to produce in you a willingness and a doing of this good pleasure, the delight of his, the eternal purpose. This is what brings God the greatest delight, and it is through this that men will find true fulfillment. Dear friend, God created you with a space in your heart 
with no boundaries. It is infinite. It is indeterminate. Just like God, it is without beginning and it is without end. In 1 John 1, God is without beginning. In Revelation chapter 4, God has no ending. And God has created a space without beginning, without end in your heart. It is called your spirit. Nothing can fail it. Everything in this universe is limited and temporary. How can limited things fail unlimited and infinite space? Not wisdom, not education, knowledge, power, pleasure, happiness, influence, religion, money, success, not traveling, not career, not philosophy, not entertainment, not sports, not friendship, not hobbies, not alcohol, not sex. Nothing can fill it. I'm going to read this verse to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. But hold on a bit. It is only the eternal person who can fill you and bring you into an eternal purpose. Everything else, because of its limitation, is gravitating towards vanity, emptiness, decay, oldness. Only God himself is ever new, real, lasting, true, and forever the same. Outwardly, you are made in the image of God and likeness, but inwardly, you have a space within you only God can fill. Let God come and fill you today, will you? Let me read this verse to you in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. The Amplified Version puts it this way. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose. A search, a seeking, a goal. Asking, who am I? What am I doing here? Where am I from? Where am I going? What is the meaning of life? This sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun, but God alone can satisfy. Yet he has done it so that men also cannot find out it is a mystery what God has done from the beginning to the end. It is without finding the beginning and without finding the end. It is the eternal life. It is the life of God. It is divine. It is God himself. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Christ. He is the one to fill your heart. Can I pray with you, dear friend? I'm willing to. Heavenly Father, we asked you at the beginning to open the eyes of our hearts to see the Son of God, the living Christ. Father, please do this for all of us to begin to see him, to continue to see him, and to embrace him with his eternal purpose for which you sent him to us. We receive his eternal life and we receive his eternal purpose. Lord Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Dear friend, I'd like to pray and say after me, Lord Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Come into me as life. I hand over myself to you as the Christ. Carry out God's eternal purpose with me. 
Cleanse me with your precious blood. Make me part of the new creation, the sons of God, to bring the glory to God. Forgive me all my sins. Cleanse me now and work in me. I surrender to you. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for eternal life. I love you. And Father, I say thank you. Thank you for giving me the gift of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friend, thank you so much for being with us again this week. We trust that next week we'll be back and we'll continue to talk about this wonderful Jesus from many directions. God bless you and God be with you. My name is Brother Andy Ade Aqua. Blessings. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Eternal Purpose Radio Broadcast, brought to you by the Church in Accra as one of the local churches in Ghana. Fellowship with the Church in Accra by joining our virtual Bible study meeting links and fellowships on Sundays, 9.30 to 12 o'clock p.m., Wednesdays at 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m., and Fridays, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. You may contact us for further fellowship and joining links by calling us on 0200-117-222 or 0274-433-100 or 0246-962607. The numbers again are 0200 222 or 0274 or 0246 You can send any questions by WhatsApping us on the same numbers. Check us up on the various social media platforms including podcasts by searching God's Eternal Purpose Broadcast. The local churches, living for Christ and the church till his kingdom come.